This Choircast show is brought to you in part by the Jonathan underscore Foster podcast. It's a podcast that lives at the intersection of mimetic theory and open and relational theology, given that your host has degrees in such thinking as well as many of his guests. So if you're interested in helping humanity evolve and take healthy steps forward into non-scapegoating, non-binary, non-violent love, you should check it out. Find the Jonathan underscore Foster show on all fine podcasting platforms everywhere. Have you ever said boogity boogity and meant it? Oh, yeah. You know, as a recovering people pleaser, perfectionist, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I work extensively with my therapist, my soul care coach, the guys who've mentored me. No, good leaders own <laughs> failures and give away successes. Yeah. Do you think Jesus would be better at ping pong or water polo? Absolutely ping pong. Not water polo? The whole walking on water thing. The walking on water, yeah. Would that be cheating? You literally can't get in the water. That's how it works. <laughs> if they were uh, playing Mark. knows this. Like, I'm challenging the idea that Jesus changes everything. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that Jesus changes everything. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beards, episode 228. Zachary, how's it going? Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. My brain just melted. Andy? Happy 59th birthday, Dr. Dre. And, oh. uh, and Jeff? How are, Jeff, how are you, Jeff? Hey! Jeff? <laughs> The opening blurbs are reserved for the original bros, Jeff. We've talked about this so many times. And and did I not blurb? You did. Yeah, you blurbed all but over. You, you tried to go to our guest, no. which we'll get to in a minute. I've, no? No? Let the record show. I'll have the court reporter. Nasty Nate, run it rewind. back. Rewind. <laughs> rewind in the middle of the show. <laughs> Let's if get this, this is the middle, this is going to be a short podcast. Oh, my goodness. You know, we do have a guest here, and as the people can see, all of the people can see. But real quick, I heard that quote today. I don't know who it is, but unspoken expectations are future... What did I say? See, I already forgot it. My brain melted. Future... Um, Hondas? Yeah. I just bought a Honda. <laughs> unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. That blew my mind, mostly because... I major in passive aggression, and that's like, oh yeah, you keep your. I brain. do this because I I don't like to conflict and bring things up in real time. I just bury it deep down, and then someday it just eventually just blows up. And it's pre-conflict. Yeah, that's like Minority Report. Yeah, mm. before yeah. the crime, pre-crime, pre-conflict. Yeah, yeah. So that really spoke to me. I was inspired, but I'll probably I probably won't change because I'm in my forties now. Oh, well, I was inspired when I saw that Dr. Dre turned 59. Still not loving police. (laughs) Is that what he said? Yeah. (laughs) That's what he said. Is that a direct quote? Well, from still DRE, it is. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, Jeff. It's the ship. Why are you looking at me like you have a broken neck? (laughs) Oh, because this stands. Hello. Hey, uh, send us money. We need new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listener. Send health care for bros. Or, yeah. <laughs> Mostly YouTube viewer. If you don't like what you're saying, well, that's your fault. You haven't paid us any money. I look like Peyton Manning. <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> that's a bad Peyton Manning. All right, Jeff. Tee it up, buddy. Uh, well, I mean, do you, you want to get started here with what we're drinking? I mean, we do have a guest here as well. No, let's talk about the guest. Let's just keep doing the podcast and every once in a while say, we do have a guest here as All well. All right. <laughs> we, have a, we have a guest. This is Brandon Reed. Hi, Brandon. Jeff? Zach? Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Brandon, welcome. Thank you. 
Glad to be here. It's uh, fantastic. You are a man. I am. A family man. I am. Uh, you're a, a father. Yes, that too. And you're a, a father to a congregation? No. A pastor to a congregation. That I am. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to those questions later. If you were to, you know, how do you feel about <clears throat> the elevator pitch Jeff just created for you? What would you, any addendums you want to make to that? If somebody asks, who is Brandon Reed? Is a total removal possible or is it just, a yeah, you can swap them out. Yeah. yeah. Complete. Let's do it all okay. over. Okay. <laughs> In your own words. Yeah. What would Jeff say about you? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Brandon is a husband to Kara. We've been married 16 years. Uh, we've got two kids, Addie and Bauer, 10 and 13 or 10 and 12, almost 11 and 13, depending on when this publishes. Um, we've got a dog. We have a golden doodle that uh, often rules the roost. And I'm a pastor. As they do. Did you know in listed in inventors who regret their inventions? It's the lady who created the golden doodle. What does for she real? regret? She, yeah, for real. <laughs> she regrets. Say more. She regrets inventing the golden doodle. I want more details. <laughs> I'll come back next week. Is with that more. A, is that, is a, <laughs> but she technically, yeah, she's one, she's one of those who are listed as, uh, yeah. Of all things, there's, dogs. Yeah, there's the regrets. Snuggie and the Shake Weight that did not make the list. Yeah, well, clearly if you made those, you had no sort of like self-perception anyway. Yeah. Okay, what does the Golden Doodle look like? Well, she was supposed to be a whole lot bigger than she is, Okay, uh, but she ended up being a miniature, but she's... Should have bought a Shake Weight. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, she <laughs> she's just a miniature ball of fur. We okay. laugh because she has fur everywhere. I bought a doodle, showed about a shake. <laughs> Inside joke. Coming up, a lesson in speaking in tongues. <laughs> okay, need, so, I'm going to need someone to interpret that. <laughs> so was it supposed to? Was it supposed to be like a, a gigantic dog? Or? No, she was supposed to be like a midsize, okay. and she turned out to be like a runt. Bless her heart. So like a Nissan those, Sentra, like a wiener, yeah, wiener dog. Yeah. No. It probably make, accentuates the cuteness a little bit. Maybe that. Maybe she's the version of a golden doodle that the inventor... Do we know the inventor's name? We don't. No. I re, maybe that was what the inventor wanted. I regret carrying this a, conversation a on. small, yeah. Well, for more on uh, golden doodles, you can Google it. <laughs> um, what are we drinking? Oh, yeah. Okay. What are you drinking? You're holding something. I don't know. What am I drinking? Oh, Heaven's Gate. It was a question, actually. actually that's a cult. What are, what are we drinking? What am I drinking? The official beverage of the Heaven's Gate cult. Oh, cool. No, Heaven's Door. Uh, it, it's a new um, It's a new thing. Comes with Nikes. Don't know much about it, but uh, I feel like we're knocking on it right now. I mean, by the time we're here, we're, we're definitely inside yeah. the door. But Brandon, now, who is at it. Heaven's Door? Uh, the whiskey or... No, in heaven. I, I, you just, you know, go with it. Sure. Heaven, heaven's door. Who's, yeah. who's waiting at heaven's door? Well, it's debatable. Uh, many people believe that there's this massive pearly gate and that there is, uh, there, Peter's going to be there. And whether that stemmed from jokes, whether that stemmed from history, uh, at Bob Dylan's heaven's door. I like where this um, is going. It appears that there's whiskey. Kentucky straight bourbon. I like to think so. I also like to think Peter is there, but he's an actual rock just right outside the gate. So right, I, that's Bible humor. So I have a vat. I'm drinking a Gosh, vat sorry, of ice. That's kicked, what I have. Kicked you, Peter. 
<laughs> I made a uh, an alcoholic sin, and I poured, I put ice into every single glass. That's the sin. The sin isn't that you like a lot of ice. That's your, even though it's wrong, it's your opinion. That's yeah, what you, you like. You put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> the there sin was ice in Just... everybody's glass. <laughs> yeah. And the eye roll that Brandon did at me. <laughs> like, this is what you get at Taco Bell. It's just like 90% ice and some Pepsi. And so I totally, I get it now. Maybe you don't like bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Buffalo Trace. Did you already say that? Buffalo Trace. Yeah. Yes. And hey, sponsorship opportunities. You. Um, And then I also got a couple of these beers. I don't know who's going to be oh, yeah. drinking them, but Lagunitas... The beast of both worlds. I like a good pun. It's a bi-colossal, nope, bi-coastal IPA. East Coast flavor, West Coast clarity. 8% ABV. Let me see that thing. Wait, what's the joke? I don't know what's if that's the pun? West Coast clarity. What's that, the, that's some East Coast clarity right there. Yeah, that looks hazy. Beast of both worlds because it's a double IPA. So. Okay. Before... before uh we get into uh, some real serious talk. Yeah. I have a uh, lightning round I'd like to start off. Okay. Pastor Brandon. We're starting with a lightning round. You, <clears throat> unless you have other ideas. No. We we didn't talk about any of this, so go for it. Talk about it. What do you think about your your? No, you uh, got the questions. No. What's your favorite? A priest, a rabbi? And a, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Which one of those jokes is your favorite? I don't favorite? want to talk about whiskey. I'm just saying we didn't we didn't talk about exactly the order of this. So we are a go. professional podcast. There's control issues over here. We're just gonna do just it. over there. <laughs> hey yo! I'm now gonna take the show over. <laughs> All right, Brandon. This is the lightning round. I'm ready. We're starting you off. Okay. Answer quickly. Are you nervous, Andy? I'm a little nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. Actually, don't I don't know what's going to happen. Should we trust the Pope? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which Pope? We'll we'll come back to that. <laughs> and with what? Yeah, with what? We'll we'll come back. To that. Did you grow up wanting to be a priest or a pastor? I did not. I want. I grew up wanting to be a dentist. Thank God. From what age? Well, I thought this was lightning round. I know, but what age? I am You're curious. violating the rules. We'll of give lightning. you a little explanation. From yeah. what, what age? Uh, since I uh, since I could remember, uh, there were all of the kids in kindergarten, all of the kids preschool, who they wanted to be, you know, the the police officer. They wanted to go into the army. They wanted to do the typical top five, whatever that is. I was just always the kid who wanted to be a dentist. Let me see inside your mouth. Yes, that was me. Did you? What was the uh, Christmas cartoon or the Christmas? You and everybody show? who I've ever told okay, that to. Okay, fine. Kirby from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Go. Hey, uh, only any- a few people go to prison. <laughs> everybody needs their teeth fixed. <laughs> but does Mary? Does does the Virgin Mary carry any weight in Christianity? Absolutely, she carried the Son of God. True. Hey, yo. Eight uh, pound, six ounce. Thank you, Ricky Bobby. Uh, What do you think about people who worship Mary? I think that there's only one who's worthy of our worship. Okay. Are you worried if you don't like Mary, Jesus might cast judgment on you? Like Mary? Dislike equal worship, If you don't like, no, if you don't like Mary. Who doesn't like Mary? Fantastic. There's something about her. I would say that... (laughs) Uh, yeah. I pray that he doesn't get struck by lightning. <laughs> are the Mormons more right or wrong? I would say that they're more wrong. 
uh, in, in regard to the gospel. You got 10 seconds. They explain. Have, <laughs> they have missed the purpose of faith that faith leads us to Christ. Who is a better carpenter, Joseph Smith or Brandon Reed? I have no idea what Joseph could make. Okay. <laughs> but I struggle to put together IKEA furniture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's a better carpenter, Jesus Christ of Nazareth or Tom Silver from the old old uh, this old house? Oh, um, I don't I don't know. Again, I've never seen anything Jesus built. He did a great job uh, in paying for our sins. How was he on a lathe? I don't know. You know what? Can I real quick? Just jump in real quick. I'm going to actually. I'm not going to ask. I've heard some people talk about Jesus. You know, the the perception is Jesus the carpenter. It's a finished carpenter, just the fancy hearth above the hearth, the TV set in, every the built in, something like that. Just real quality uh, craftsmanship. But I've heard a lot of scholars talk about it's more like he he did stuff with his hands, more day labor. He was poor, kind of a thing. So. Whatever that does for you, that's neither here nor there. But just Jesus, trying day, to add a little historical. Jesus, day laborer. Yeah. So he wasn't yeah. doing built-ins for flat screen TVs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't in Newport Beach. I mean, he might be now. Can you Google that, Nate? In the hearts of America. Thanks. It feels like that's worth checking on. <laughs> Did you find anything on the Golden Doodle Lady? Yeah. Oh yeah. My gosh. That'd be amazing. Let us know if you find anything about the Golden Doodle. All right. Did Peter fail Jesus? Yes. Would you have denied knowing Jesus three times? Yes. If 100%. Jesus, if Jesus had 10 shots 300. of whiskey on the table for the two of you, you know, some guy time, and... There wouldn't be ice. And said... <laughs> would he put ice in it? Would he put ice in it? Touche, touche. Uh, and said, Brandon, never be a drunkard except with the Lord. Would you call him a... Oh, people will know something happened. Nate did some... Hey, by the way, Nate's back on the ones and zeros. Welcome back, Nate. <laughs> this is Nate's last night on the ones and zeros. <laughs> Nate. <laughs> Crushing it, man. Man, I gave you a big, big vat of whiskey, didn't I? I don't know if it's dyslexic. <laughs> That's so weird that he's struggling to hit the right button now. I have a similar thing. If I have, I have two computers sometimes, my laptop and my main computer, and I'm doing work on both, and I will be looking at one screen and I'll hit Dude. the button from a different keyboard. So that's Dude, just what happened. Don't sweat it. All that good. Thousand points of light. Great, man. Wouldn't be prudent. Also, your microphone <laughs> is not plugged in. So I'm going to take that one. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's there's, a mistake. There's, oh my there's no cable on it. All, All right. right. <laughs> let's I, let's get back to those softball questions. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Brandon, yeah. what did you do for fun as a kid? I grew up playing golf. Seriously? I did. Ah. Why are you so why do you act surprised? No, it's just it's great. I just went to the Genesis Invitational a couple oh. days ago. Yeah. Did you see Tiger? Uh no. On the course or in the ambulance? I or? went on Saturday. He he uh ambulance. he took off on Friday. Yeah. What's he doing in the ambulance? I don't think he went in the ambulance. I think he just got into his uh Uber yeah. and left. Uh yeah, Twitter he takes an Uber. or X says he has <laughs> influenza. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Yeah. The flu is back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How many more of these? I, I'm actually enjoying this more than I thought I did. Yeah, so good fun. job, Jeff. How great are fountain pens? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, relevant. You know what? We're going to get back to that. Uh, academic or athletic? This is you. Academic or athletic? I wish I were athletic, but I am actually more academic. All right. Did other kids call you Reverend Brandon? Uh, they've never in their life said that about What me. happened to men? What happened to men? They're all right here. Okay. And what happened to the rest of them? 
I feel no? like that says a little bit more about you, Jeff. What's uh, we're, we're not going to talk about that though. I feel like I'm missing some context here. Yeah, no, that's just what I'm in, saying. I'm, just in general, uh, at what <laughs> age did Joseph stop discipline? <laughs> Excuse me. The goal is to get him to answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to men? Anyway, the next question is... <laughs> well, there is no context. What happened to men? 30 years ago, men. Today... Now you're adding context. Men. I thought no context was necessary. Men, men. What happened? You have 10 seconds. <laughs> maybe they all got rained out. All of the men got rained. Or maybe they got influenza. I'll work on that joke later. Okay. What? It okay. was raining men. But they all fell. At what age did Joseph stop disciplining Jesus, our Lord and Savior, with the rod? I I don't have, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you guys? I love your look. It's like, <laughs> got him. Didn't get that one. <laughs> this pastor doesn't How know. How old do you want Jesus know. to be when Joseph stopped beating him? <laughs> Is that what you're asking, Jeff? I am surprised. The right answer is 13. These, these questions are coming from a man in a sweater and a red collar shirt. <laughs> uh, when Jesus attended NASCAR races. <laughs> can't even get it out. Uh, forget that question. <laughs> boogity boogity, let's go racing. If Jesus was a NASCAR racer, do you think he was Jeff Gordon or Mario Andretti? I guess Mario Andretti wasn't a NASCAR racer. Yeah, I, I, if he was I, a race car dra- driver, Mario... Or Jeff Gordon? Uh, probably Mario. Because? Uh, Formula One. Okay. I well, thought it, plus I thought he's it was, Italian. Side, yeah, that's what I thought. Side question. Have you ever said boogity boogity and meant it? Oh, yeah. All right. That it, look- it fits in any context. Was it dark? <laughs> it was not. Okay. Do you think Jesus would be better at ping pong or water polo? Oh, absolutely ping pong. Not water pole? The whole walking on water thing. The walking on water, yeah. Would that be cheating? He literally can't get in the water. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> if they were playing Mark, knows this. If they were playing Marco Polo, would someone say fish out of water? <laughs> that he would just create a bunch of fish? Okay, forget that. Uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, the chicken. How do you know? Um, I've, I've read it in scripture. Liar. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if you and Andy were playing basketball versus David and Goliath, hypothetically, mm-hmm. would you start? Who would start trash talking first? Oh, absolutely me. Really, without a doubt. What would you say? Uh, I, I David and Goliath are on a team together. Yes, and they're playing Brandon and I. That's right. Awesome. This is great. It's perfect. Yep. Would anything be thrown during the game? I need a David and Goliath versus you and Brandon thumbnail for YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. AI generated. Okay. Final question. What would David and Goliath's team name be? Nailed it. Andy? That's his answer. Is that acceptable? Uh, I was going to go for something more like rock related. Stoned. Yeah, the Stonies. And what would your team name be with Brandon, Andy? Blast Force. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you right. know that? All right, everybody. All right, everybody. That's the end of the <laughs> lightning round. Oh Thank gosh. you for letting me torment you, Brandon. <laughs> I'm here for you, Jeff. And we'll get back to what men are later. That's good. Uh, you scored a 75. <laughs> okay. Which is... 
remarkable. <laughs> Most people don't. I feel good about it. Yeah, no. that, it's Solid. good. Yeah, it's a pass. It's it, you're passing. Your I dreamed average. about a seventy five in high school. Yeah, but that's <laughs> well, all I could do. Is what did you get instead? It. Oh, uh, graduate late by doing a one book report, so below two point And I got my diploma after the fact. Didn't get to walk with my friends, and I cared zero about it until now. Now I I regret, but. Such is life. Yeah. But did you ever drop out of senior choir? Whoa, no. Choir was my one oh. A. Let me adjust my. Oh, my I, I I got an A in it. Oh, but you dropped out. I did. Why? Why? Wait, what? How was this? Yeah, possible? I don't even remember why. I don't even remember why. I I can't tell you the musical that we were gonna do, that I was obviously gonna dance in. Oh, there was dancing. <laughs> When in Rome. Yes. Um, what kind of choir is this? Well, in the, <laughs> know, fall, right? in the fall, it was a madrigals choir. Very formal. In the spring, we did a spring musical. And I was I, having no part, though. Dancing involved. I don't blame you for dropping yeah. out, man. Yeah. Well, my brother's senior year, he actually tore his ACL dancing in high school choir. So As I didn't, you do. I, I didn't, I didn't want to follow that path. I think there's a lot of uh, locked knees in West Coast choirs. Probably. I just mean popping. Pop- yeah, not- and locking. <laughs> it's getting awkward. I just mean I've never heard of dancing in choirs, but I don't blame you for quitting if that's if yeah. that's what it came to. Yeah. Right, let's be honest though. You, you quit because you were neck deep in dental textbooks. I'm <laughs> so deep. How's gums deep? Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's good so i got a question yeah Um, when did the dream of dentistry die (laughs) that's a good question the dream of dentistry uh died my junior year of college i was at the university of tennessee um i was i was a double major biology and chemistry uh i was in organic chemistry i was in genetics botany all of the science classes and i had spent three years wrestling with the lord um, trying to convince him and myself that, hey, if I'm a dentist, I can fund ministry, I can help with ministry, I can open doors of ministry financially, knowing the whole time that God was calling me into ministry. And so I came to a place my junior year where I just knew I was not going to be satisfied doing anything else than a local church pastor. So three years before that, what was the moment that you just knew you had to be a pastor? There wasn't that moment just just because I was wrestling so hard with the Lord, but God was stirring in my own heart this desire uh, to to proclaim the gospel, to live my life uh, in vocational ministry. Uh, I'd I'd begun to realize and kind of unpack that um, my purpose here on earth was not about making money, not about doing anything, but being the man that God had created me to be. And it took a process of getting comfortable with that and understanding God's wiring in my own life um, through the process of uh, discernment with friends, with uh, mentors, with uh, people who would affirm what God was doing in my own heart. Okay. Where was this passion birthed? So I I grew up in church, uh, have an amazing family who raised my brother and I in church. Um, We were there in youth ministry. We were leaders uh, at a young age. 
Um, and my sophomore year of high school, went to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and just fell in love with ministry and mission. Um, I went with a dental mission team and thought, this is it. This is how I can spend summers if I'm a dentist. And uh, all the while, God was just doing something different in my own heart. And so through that process of high school, college to my junior year, God just really shaped uh, my passions, desires, and dreams in such different ways than I had originally imagined. When you say shaped, you know, I hear that, I hear that term uh, often of like, God shaped this. Is it just a path that you were on or do you feel like there was actually some moment where God just moved you and what did that look like? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's the path that I'm on. I was, I was really involved uh, in, in serving and volunteering all throughout my college years, as well as my high school years. Um, but it, it was also, uh, I do believe that God really shaped desires. Uh, and uh, so I was coached, I, I believe, very correctly in, okay, if you want to discern God's call on your life, um, David in Psalm 34 uh, gives some really helpful and practical advice. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give the desires of your heart. And so what we find our delight in is what we tend to gravitate toward and pursue. And so God just began to shape my desires as I pursued him more and more rather than, okay, am I going to be a dentist? Am I going to be a pastor? I don't know what I'm doing. And so as a college student, navigating that in the context of community and relationships was so helpful because there were people who were 10 steps ahead of me who were able to speak into those critical, pivotal moments in my life. Nice. What uh, you mentioned, so growing up in the church, what uh, variety was this? What are we talking about here? What stream of churching? Yeah, so I grew up in a very traditional Southern Baptist church in uh, Tennessee. You have come a long way to be sitting here with us sharing beverages. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were moments in, in, in my early elementary years where I remember distinctly hearing from the pulpit that Jesus didn't turn water into wine. He turned water into grape juice. What? And there was just this spin of, you know, everything with alcohol is completely wrong and evil. And, uh, anyone who would desire or pursue that desire uh, is is caught in uh, deep sin. And can, so... Can I double click on that real quick? Please. I, the version that I have heard of that is th they will explain away. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, actually, in that day, wine was such a low alcohol content yeah. that it was closer to grape juice than it was anything else. Was that kind of the mode that they did, heard or, that too or did they literally like no it, it this is a typo it was grape juice no literally jesus turned water into what is essentially grape juice welches what do they do with the the first miracle of turning at the wedding banquet turning water into wine yeah um and the people saying usually people bring out the good wine oh yeah uh, La first first last whatever it is like it kind of it definitely implies that people are enjoying it in the uh, traditional way where mm -hmm. you start to feel good mm -hmm. in the mouth did yeah what do people do with that from your past or is that I don't yeah, know yeah you weren't thinking about that at yeah the time. i don't i don't remember 
them drilling down that deep into the quality of the spirit at work. <laughs> uh, but I do remember that that very clearly that alcohol is evil and um, that Jesus didn't really turn it into wine. Um, but you know what I find interesting? We talk about the first miracle of Jesus, mm-hmm. the the wedding at Cana, John 2. It's this incredible thing where Jesus is um, is revealing for the first time his miraculous ability. And a lot of times we read that scripture, we hear that scripture taught, we, we teach that as pastors as um, Jesus can do anything. Uh, Jesus can change something into something completely different, which is the story of the gospel. It's the story that uh, we as brothers know that has changed our life. But what I find interesting in that story is before Jesus does any miracle, before Jesus uh, wows any crowd or we talk about the quality of wine, uh, what's interesting is Jesus's mother, Mary, who you brought up earlier. I don't have a problem at all with Mary. So many times with so many questions. Great woman. Mary calls over the servants of the house and they're all out of wine. There's trouble at the wedding. And what Mary says, I think, has captivated my own heart. She says to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And I think often we look at just the miracles that Jesus can do and desire that and celebrate that, but miss the fact that there's a call from that story uh, for our life. Hey, whatever Jesus says, let's do that. And I think I think that, the first mm. miracle, initiates this idea that Jesus didn't just come to change our eternity, he came to change everything about our life today. He came to convict you today. <clears throat> do you think he came to change everything about our lives? I do. What do you mean by everything? Yeah. What is everything? Uh, is it is it actually everything? I think Jesus came to change and shape every single aspect of our life, from our spiritual life and our faith, to our professional life, to our personal life, to, to the way that we parent our kids, to the way that we drive down the freeway. Um, whoa, Jesus, whoa, 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 leave that out. Leave that out. The other <laughs> stuff was fine. I don't like that. I'm pushing like that. it a little bit. <laughs> whoa, yeah. come on. Um, no, I think, I think Jesus came to shape and change every aspect of our life. And where we get sideways, where we start to spiral is thinking that Jesus only came to change the spiritual aspects of our life, the eternal aspect of where we're going to spend the rest of our life when we're no longer here on earth. But the kingdom ethic that Jesus brought, the kingdom ethic that Jesus taught shapes every aspect of our life. So does that mean that there's no good in any humans that they, there's nothing redeemable or of quality that humans are contributing before Jesus um, engages with them. No, I, I think that prior to meeting Christ, we're still, uh, we're still capable of doing good, giving good in, in society uh, when it comes to uh, our relationship and righteousness uh, in relationship with our Heavenly Father, I don't believe there's anything good. Uh, I believe that sin has broken everything about us, but Jesus offers to change everything about us. We should pause and go into this one a little bit, if that's okay. Because I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and and here's, here's why. I think that uh, 
I think that Jesus definitely uh, doesn't give prerequisites to the goodness that people can can achieve outside of him. I think it's it's probably worth separating salvation from good works. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, like I'm I'm separating those two things. And we've uh, <clears throat> we've repeated a, a quote that's we didn't invent it, but um, all truth is God's truth. And maybe it's good to start with that. Does mm-hmm. that, what's your reaction to a statement like all truth is God's truth? Yeah, I would agree with that, that anything true is because God designed it and created it to be true. And so a great artist who uh, is able to paint or write a song that is moving and meaningful and uplifting brings positivity into the world. Would Jesus change that? It, what would he need to, what would he change the the delivery of their art? The Well, I'm coming back to like, I'm challenging the idea that Jesus changes everything. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that Jesus changes everything. Mm. I think there are parts of us that Jesus changes. Yeah. And I think that there are parts of us that he, Jesus created us. There are parts of us that exist that he wants to maintain and and to continue. So if I am a if I am a by my nature a generous person, mm-hmm. why would Jesus change my generous heart before I got to before and after I got to know Him? Yeah, uh, I would say in in terms of generosity, there are aspects of our generosity that Jesus would change uh, our perspective in. And so prior to knowing Christ, the goodness of generosity can be present in people. Uh, but the kingdom aspect that Jesus shapes within that generosity is we're generous because of the generosity of Christ. And so, because of that, uh, we we become more sacrificial. We become more generous. We become generous in ways that we weren't prior to our redemption in Christ. Totally. But you get, but my point is, you are still a generous person. Absolutely. So, so Jesus has changed parts of that. Maybe he's enhanced it. But there is a core fundamental characteristic that that person holds of generosity, which maintains. And so that's why I'm looking at I'm going, I don't know if Jesus changes everything. He didn't change that part of you. That still exists. It's better. It's more. And maybe it's different, but it still is there and it still is who you are. And I think that I connect this to we are God's creation. He has created each and every one of us. Does he want us to be more? Yes. But there, I, I don't think we fundamentally become different people. Not totally. I, I think okay. we're. I think we're challenged. I think we're challenged in that. In that, okay, someone's uh, just has this gravitational pull to being generous, and that generosity, you know, some can can you have a moment where you come across other people and you're projecting your generosity, and you're like, you're looking at people like the challenge is like you. Uh, how come you're not generous? Like, but in their head, like kind of judging people and there's the challenge of like, I was built to be generous and I need to make sure that I'm aware that that's the like gift that I was given. I think there's something there that shapes us and makes us better people. And it's the challenge of being the, whatever strengths we have, we're then challenged with those strengths and not seeing it in other people. I guess I'll make it super easy. If I'm a generous person and Jesus changes everything, I will not stop being a generous person. I would agree once with I, that. Once I, uh, once I accept Jesus, 
literally right. because you accepted Jesus. No, everything that part of you has to go. Right. I, I said everything. Whatever existed. So that that's yeah, why I'm like, that. yeah. So that's why I'm like, it's yeah. Uh, it isn't changes everything, but it it is that Jesus is calling us to the best versions of ourselves yeah. that can be that can be there. So yeah. And in the flip side, if I can't hit seven out of ten three pointers, mm-hmm. Jesus isn't going to change that. Exactly. Yeah. I wish that he so would. It's not every, then I wouldn't be- It's not technically everything because he can't make you better than a slightly above average 45-year-old ball player. Goes to the park once every couple of years and gets think, beat up by high schoolers. I wonder if the cousin... Or to, David and Goliath. Uh, yes. We would take them. I'm, I'm confident in this. <laughs> the stoners. Yeah. Or, take- the, or the, the slingers. <laughs> the yeah, slingers. Yeah. Um, Maybe a cousin to what you're talking about too, or maybe this applies, maybe it doesn't. But I think sometimes when, from my own experience, people I'm connected to in the past, it's like, and currently, if they're doing everything, they almost, they can't just do a good thing and just love somebody well in whatever form that takes. It always has to be like, now, let me tell you about my friend Jesus, or you got to like stamp the Jesus branding Mm. on it, whatever their particular brand of Christianity is. Otherwise they, they feel like they're not doing good enough. And that part gets, that can get a little bit weird and, and gross. Like if it's good and it's loving, it's good and loving and it's God's on its own. Um, and I, I, I guess if you feel convicted that you need to like, and I did this because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And oh, you mean like attribution should be apl- implied? Yeah. Or like, don't, don't, Carry the burden of having to like wave the Jesus banner. Just, yeah. just love well. Like, and and I think that comes through. God can use anything like that. Mm-hmm. And like, like if it's if it's true, it's God's. God doesn't. I, I, my opinion currently is that God's not like, oh, make sure you say in Jesus' name, Amen. Or if you pray, and if you do this for that somebody, maybe say you do it in Jesus' name. Like, just. Like, let it be a natural part of your existence. I feel like we force it sometimes as Christians, but I don't know. It's not exactly what you're talking about, but it's the cousin, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe the kiss. I don't know. Jeff, do we allow it? Is it allowed? It's twice removed, cousin. According to the judges? <clears throat> the judges say yes. Or even if it's not, you know. No, I, we can... I don't disagree with what you said. So going back a little bit, you mentioned... Um, that you didn't want to be a pastor. You're a pastor now. You didn't want to be a pastor, which gives me a little sigh of relief because I increasingly have a theory. It's similar to politicians. I think anybody that wants to be president, like I don't think I'm going to vote this year because I I just have this built-in, like if you want to be president, you're the wrong person for the job. Um, And I think... I don't think the same thing about pastors I do about politicians. I think most pastors are people genuinely doing God's work as they see it. But when, man, when, when like church abuse or, mm-hmm. or church wrongdoing goes wrong, it goes so wrong and it has some of the worst effects. So anybody that really wants to be a pastor, like there's part of me that's like, Oh, like, I don't know. Is that too cynical? Do you think, but you are, you passed the test cause you said you didn't want to be a pastor. No. So. Yeah. I don't think that's cynical. I think it's, I think it's just reality. Um, it's like giving yourself a nickname. It's just, it's part of the code. You can't give your, 
your own self a nickname. Um, Come on, Kobe. But I think there are desires that God oh, gives us. Right. Um, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he talks about if anyone desires to be in this role and in this position, uh, and then lays out the qualifications. And so I don't think desires disqualify us, but I think wrong desires absolutely uh, mean that we are unqualified. Yeah. And so what what I've seen so often is guys get into ministry because they love the spotlight. They love the attention of speaking, preaching, talking in front of crowds, being, oh, great job. That was a great sermon. Um, and if if that's what gets you going as a pastor, that will flame out so fast. Mm. Um, it, it just doesn't last because the difficulties and the weight and the burden of the mantle of ministry and leadership in a local church is so difficult and at times can be so overwhelming. And so that's where I would say that the wrong desires are a disqualification uh, for for being in ministry. Charles Spurgeon said that that uh, was once talking to a young pastor and a guy who was considering going into ministry. And, and he said, son, if you can do anything else on planet earth and be okay doing it, go and do that. Don't be a pastor. Uh-huh. And so... Uh, that's that's the call uh, because pastoral ministry is not about the lights and the attention and the accolades and the the yay go and pastor. It's yeah. It's about the 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 crucible of life that when everything falls apart, there's somebody to call and say, "Hey, I just don't I don't know what's going on." Um, I, I mean, I've sat in my therapist's office unpacking some of the. Some of the things that uh, seminary and a theological education just can't prepare you for, uh, like being in a, a hospital room uh, holding a stillborn baby uh, from a, a family who had tried years and years through infertility to get pregnant and just the loss and the grief, uh, nothing can prepare you for that. And and that's part of ministry. Uh, it's the call at 11 o'clock at night that you're trying to be with family and yet there's a crisis that doesn't wait until office hours to, to, to unfold. And so um, for someone to get into ministry for those wrong reasons, it, it's part of the massive amount of dropout, burnout, flame out, fail out that is pandemic across local church leadership. Did you, in, in your time so far as being a pastor, uh, this may be a softball question, but did you have moments where you were like, this was a mistake. I made a mistake. I shouldn't be doing this. I heard wrong or, or even I heard right and I can't do it. This like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, are you talking about this week or, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just about on a regular basis, uh, moments of insecurity in my own heart to say, Lord, you could have called somebody better. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Um, and I've I've been really well prepared in my seminary education, master's doctorate, all of that. I'm coming up on 20 years of full-time ministry. And there are still to this day moments that I'm like, I I, I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, or my insecurities begin to creep up in ways that I don't want to admit to everyone, but uh, you know, I step into the into the platform to to deliver God's word and the burden that comes with that. And I do so every single time and the nerves just creep up. 
yeah. uh, from insecurities. There are moments where I'm like, you know what? This is so hard. This is ridiculous. Um, from moments where I've experienced church hurt, where I just want to go and sell real estate. I just want to go and do anything. A, a, a handful of times in these past couple of years, I've thought, man, why didn't I just become a dentist? I wish, I wish I would have just followed that track. Hmm. Will you, before we're done or maybe right after we record, will you look at Jeff's mouth? Is that something you'd want to do just, just to like, maybe that will like, you, you, you have to have looked at like dentistry books and have an idea. I think. Is this normal? Is this a normal So fun thing? fact, I took a team of dentists to India and we were just so slammed that they had to call me out of the bullpen. And I'm like. This is it, Lord. This is <laughs> yes, the Lord. Moment, here am I. The, Send the me. moment I've been waiting for. We need the reliever. Yes. Bring Brandon in. <laughs> I um, was shucking teeth in India. I'm so ready. Awesome. What does shucking teeth mean? I was pulling teeth that were hanging on by a dirty. It was incredible. They were just hanging on by a dirty bandaid, and the dentist is like, oh. "You don't even need to numb that one. Just, just pull it." That's and where that's, Nasty oh. Nate. That's where Nasty Nate got his uh, nickname. Just shucking teeth. We can't You're welcome. Hear. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Nate. Nate, so, uh, is that true? Is that true that you shuck teeth? <laughs> Lester, uh, he's shaking his head. Because he didn't get a microphone. I know. Yeah. We because, don't let Nate has to do three podcasts before he gets a microphone. Nate, would you like to come and sit on my lap and you could talk on my <laughs> microphone? <laughs> I'm sorry, hey, Nate. Oh, gosh. Hey, before Nate's terrible. keyboard crime, Andy saw it. Preemptively took the mic cord. That's right. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Pre-crime. Pre-crime. Pre-pod crime. Yeah. I knew what you were going to do. And if you're good next time, you'll get a microphone. He's threatening to do it again. Some of that Tom Cruise stuff. Yes. yes. I love that movie. Yes. I let my kids watch it probably earlier than they should have. Yeah. Zach, like, about the Zach, like, motif. Zach likes to teach his kids, this is the correct way to use the F word. Not that wrong. I mean. Right. Andy, can you unplug actually Jeff's mic and, and plug it into Nate's. Let's, let's be done here. <laughs> All right. So question about, you yeah. mentioned within the last couple of years, church hurt. Yeah. Can we get a little, can we drill down on some specifics? Is that possible? Were your yeah. kids eight or nine when you showed them the shining? Oh, nice. <laughs> they were well into their teens. Do we have any but red they have seen the shining. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Failures. Yeah. Uh, failures. In, like in just in way? ministry. <laughs> oh yeah, there've been many times. I'm all right, thank okay. you. There've been many times where uh, I've failed. I've made the wrong decision. I've made a decision that's uh, premature, too early. Made a decision that's too late. Uh, but failure is just part of okay, how about ministry, part of life. And my my thing is we and I, I actually just talked about this in our team meeting this morning. Uh, if you're not failing, you're not trying. And here in our context, we either win and it works or we learn and it doesn't. Dude, it takes a lot of confidence though. I feel like it does to, to be in that place because often it's, well, it's hard not to take fa failures personally. Especially for me, you know, as a recovering people pleaser, perfectionist. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I work extensively with my therapist, my soul care coach, the guys who've mentored me, um, not taking things personally uh, and knowing and in full confidence that 
the ministry that God's called me to is has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. And so uh, it, it's never been about me. It's not about me. And so that's helped kind of remove and put space in between the place where I would tend to take things personally. I, I'm just not that important. It, it's not about me. What I hear is Brandon doesn't take responsibility for his actions. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> no, good leaders own failures and give away successes. Yeah. Put, put that in the show notes, okay. Nate. So, okay, so you were the pastor at Mountain View Church. You've been there for how long? Wait, hold on, Jeff. What? You skipped over a question I asked. Oh, you, I'm sorry. And we, and we answered yours, and that's fine. Classic bros, Bibles, and beer. A question on a question. No, and I normally, I normally wouldn't care, but I want to hear some details about your particular experience with Church Hurt in the last couple of years. Okay, that was kind of where I was going. Okay, but okay. okay. He's so, going to re-ask your question. Okay, but probably in a better way. <laughs> <In> a, di- <laughs> a little bit, but... Game recognized game. <laughs> yeah, I think Church Hurt is part of local church ministry. I think it's part of ministry in any context, because... Uh, true gospel ministry is is involved with other people and people are broken. And so there's going to be hurt. There's going to be disappointment. Um, but Unspoken expectations. Yeah. Like you said earlier. Boom. Uh, Call back. But church hurt, unfortunately, is more common and at times can be more traumatic, which is why I went into the doctoral research side that I did on burnout and moral failure. Uh, just from a pain of moral failure in the context that I was in a decade over a decade ago. And so I can look back in just about every context and point out places of, hey, that really hurt and begin to work through some of the trauma and some of the difficulty of that. Uh, but I think some of the the pain in church hurt comes because pastoring is it can be, a very lonely thing. Hmm. It can be a thing that pushes uh, men and women toward isolation. Yeah, and the the hurt comes in because there are people that you trust, people that you have put your own faith in uh, to do the right thing, and they just don't. And it comes back to blow up in the leader's face. And so um, uh, that's that's just been a source of uh, okay. of church hurt on that. Have you ever had a, a moment, because you've been at several churches and there's got to be conflict and you're really, you know, kind of getting to that. Have there been times where you've actually confronted someone in that in leadership while you're the pastor and said, hey, that that was uncalled for, that, that hurt? Absolutely. Because if I don't say something, if I don't bring that up and have that mm-hmm. uh, that moment of confronting what was wrong or what I felt like was wrong, I don't give that person the opportunity to provide clarity to the context that they had. But on the flip side, uh, then I, I never take the responsibility to to man up and say, hey, what happened was wrong. And so if I don't do that, then I've got no skin in the game. I've got no bone in the fight. Actually, so- that's why he's here tonight is to confront all of us. For this podcast. And by all of us, I just mean Jeff. <laughs> and what we've done. And we need stupid Trump collar you're wearing. <laughs> Why don't you just embroider MAGA on that thing? Wearing 
semi blue black and blue it's like a bruise yeah be honest though jeff <laughs> is that a onesie does it go all the way down and around like it just clips in so you don't have to tuck it is in is the polo actually a dicky does Ooh. it just go oh i like that too yeah <laughs> all right so can you now what's no. but on what you said though yeah. it, it like can you give us maybe don't name names, but what specifically happened? You said you church hurt happened to you within the last couple of years, and um, you've only fairly recently become the church uh, the pastor at Mountain View Church. Can we get a little specific, like specifics, not necessarily names and identities and church names and whatnot, but but like what was the church hurt you experienced? Yeah, there were there were people who. Uh said this is this is wrong we're going to take care of things or hey the direction that we had been taking or the culture that we had cultivated and created it, it was just wrong and that needs to change and um yeah let's do this and let's change this let's fix this let's work on things and um in the end just just didn't do what they said they were going to do um just didn't take that step that, that needed to be taken. And so, um, for me, I, I'm a direct and, and, um, straightforward leader. Hey, these are some changes that need to be made. Um, are you seeing what I'm seeing? What do you think? Uh, I think that's an important question to ask as a leader and as a, certainly as a pastor who is working within the context of, uh, a collection of wisdom. And so uh, certain things that are, are just wrong when they're not addressed, um, I think are allowed to fester. And so it's hard, it's hard to, um, it's hard to fully unpack some of the specific church hurt because my hope is not to unpack that in a way that, um, that furthers the hurt or the cycle of dysfunction, but rather, um, allows God to do what only he can do in protecting and building his church. Right. Don't want to be like, oh, Brandon was uh, talking shit on the podcast about, <laughs> about you guys. Remember that, you guys? Um, I heard somebody breathe. I did. Well, one thing that it, it popped in my head while you were describing this, and maybe it was a question or two back, having just come back from our our winter X snowboarding trip with the high schoolers. Dude, there is nothing more humbling than attempting to be a high school leader to uh, students who you don't spend a ton of time with and don't have like built in relationships. Christian, your son, Jeff did awesome. By the way, kid is a natural small group leader. Mm -hmm. Like the kids just lit up when he would talk. It was awesome. Um, but there are some, I, I like walked away from it just going like, yeah, no, I can't do this. Mm. Uh, I'm not good at this. <laughs> and, and because there is so much doubt, but some of it is, there was something that you said, which is yeah. connected to, it is connected to your expectations. You're, you're looking for an outcome and you're working towards that. And when it doesn't happen, when the kid doesn't respond to the things that other kids are responding to, why does this one not respond? What's going on? I must be doing something wrong pops into my head mm -hmm. immediately. And then, and then I walk away going like, well, I can just, uh, 
file this one away. Last winter X that I ever go on because <laughs> I can't do this. And so I'm curious if there's some of that that ever occurs with you where you're like, hey, yes, some people respond so well and then others are just a blank canvas, blank wall, just nothing, zero at best. At worst, it's negative and just you know how can, how can you deal with someone saying that was a great sermon on sunday it touched me the other person going like i didn't believe a word you said yeah. and i'm not coming back yeah that is that is personally my reality on a weekly basis oh i'm sure and so separating myself from just the truth and the the reality that life change doesn't happen because of anything that i say there's yeah. nothing there's nothing creative profound earth shattering that I can creatively craft and communicate that's going to change somebody's life. Hmm. That's going to, uh, that's going to run someone off from a church. And so just recognizing and realizing the fact that I'm, I'm not that important. I'm not, I'm not such a big deal that, uh, the, the words that I say are going to be the life change that happens in someone. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm absolved of all responsibility of uh, working the text and properly exegeting the text of Scripture. This is the truth from the Word of God. And so, there's a weight and a burden there, um, but the life change doesn't happen because of me. It doesn't happen because of something crafty that I came up with or some line that, oh, it just landed with me. No, that's the spirit of God at work. Only God changes lives, not pastors. I I can agree just considering my experience. Like there's nobody that I know of that had the same experience that I had during, um, you know, a, a message or worship um, when I came to Christ, which we talked about briefly last week. And it's stuff like that. It's like, you're, I would agree. I mean, there's, yeah, hopefully people can learn something, but ultimately you know, the spirit is moving differently in everybody's lives. Just kind of like our strengths, you know, people are generous, you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, want to work behind the scenes or they want to, you know, give, you know, tithe or whatever it might be. They want to run missions. It's just, everybody is working differently. And I find it fascinating. I, I, you know, I'm. I think when you when a you know new pastor comes in, this is the first for me. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know who Brandon is, and when I'm listening to him, like, I mean, it sounds good. And ultimately, isn't it's just ultimately it's about community, like, yeah. and and that's it. Like you have a group of friends you can rely on and turn to, and and uh, sit around <laughs> microphones and uh, just chat about life mm-hmm. and support each other really so it's it's fantastic but i know there's a lot of pastors out there that are like this message is going to bring in money and it's going mm-hmm. to change lives and we are going to be an awesome church and i'm like how many believers how many people have you like how many people that are at your church that came here that they became believers and they're supported or how many people came here and they like, I, I believe in Christ. I want to follow this life. And they left because nobody, there was no community there. That's like my, that's my greatest, you know, worry. Uh, when I show up on Sundays, it's like who here didn't even believe. And maybe they're walking out of here. They sprint out of here and get in their car and they leave. And I'm like, no, it's a weird thing though. Right. Cause there, 
<laughs> and we're not like, responsible I, for them, but I feel like we've, I can think of times where I've heard someone saying they had a, like a transcendent moment and, and they were changed in a service that was otherwise kind of boring trivial yeah not like a nothing special service and i think that's a good example of what you described there where it's like it's 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 beyond the person who's sharing on stage Mm -hmm. and then on the flip side like clearly we know that there are gifted people Mm -hmm. who are teachers who are worship leaders and those experiences are great and so part of me, and, and then, and then on, there's the last category, which is like, it's not going so well. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I look at those different categories based on kind of what you said, Hey, it's not me, it's God. So is God choosing to selectively bless or inspire these individuals in these areas and not others? How, like, I do agree that uh, that God is deeply involved, and there is something on the individual too. And I think this isn't just about church, right? Like, uh, going back to basketball, LeBron was blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag blessed. blessed. Thank you. <laughs> He he can play basketball, and that 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 is part of his DNA mm-hmm. to be able to do what he can do, and and that shows up in different ways. Whether it's playing music, whether it's a leadership role, there's some some DNA, and that is part of your you know, how you've been created. So maybe that is the way that you would answer it. I don't want to answer your question for you, but but like Too late. as you look as you look, <laughs> I know I, I tried to try to stop myself. This is the I way I tried to stop myself, but. Uh, but like as you look at that, so so what what is our role? I guess what is what is the role of the leader? What is the role of a a pastor in that? Um, where where is their responsibility? The line between them and where God is involved? Yeah, I would draw the line of responsibility and leadership in in ministry and missions. Uh, I would draw that line as a line of faithfulness. Um, so we're we're not called to uh, just change and save and fix everything that's wrong in our society. Um, what we are called to, to do is to, to be faithful. And so faithful to the text is, that we're preaching, faithful to the call that God has on our life, faithful in the marriage and the family that God has brought us uh, to do life and ministry with. And so I personally draw the line at faithfulness. I'm faithfully a terrible basketball player. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it as best you can. And nobody comes to the games. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it with all of your heart. That's going to shape because you. Because you love it. You love being a shitty basketball player. Alone. Yeah. Like that, you, you kind of get where I'm going here. Yeah. Where it's like, where is, so is that a, is that a moment of. Does of, it bring you joy though? And empty, is that going to filter out into the rest of your life? Empty stands? Me personally in this situation? Yeah, yeah. No. I'm not just playing for an audience of one. So looking for glory? But how many people have hobbies or whatever, things that they love doing that nobody gets to see, but it feeds the rest of their life? But that's not what ministry is about, though. That's the problem, is that it is designed inherently to affect others. Like Brock Purdy being 
you know, in a game, winning a NFC championship and then getting on there and be like, you know, and all the, you know, several guys that have been there uh, the last month, like, I just want to, you know, thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That moment's like, did that take anybody by storm? And they're like, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about uh athletes trying to be ministers no no, no. i'm saying but like i'm mo- using the analogy moments in time though where people are saying certain things okay fine a pastor is saying a word shitty pastors who don't do a good job and their churches are dying and they probably should have quit did jesus is god saying basically i'm not gonna bless you you're faithful but it's not going well audio like like watch this church die is the point that i'm trying to get to because faithful and it crumbles. Like, what's what happens yeah. there? How do we explain that? Yeah, some of the most faithful guys that I know are the ones leading churches of 30 to 50 people. And so, uh, uh, faithfulness d- doesn't always have the outcome of fruitfulness in ways that we measure. Mm. And so, uh, I think it's important that, that we understand what a call to ministry is. Mm. It's not a call to doing... Um, the work of the ministry, because scripture is clear in the New Testament that pastors are doing the work of ministry by equipping the saints to do work of ministry, not so that we can sit back and have a cush job and and do the only the cherry picked things that we want. But I think it's under I think it's it's helpful to understand a true call to ministry, one that uh, we we feel and sense uh, personally that's affirmed by others around us and the gifting that's on our life some some of uh, some of the guys in ministry aren't aren't actually called to ministry they're just wanting the attention that they never got in high school and middle school and so because of that they get into a volunteer youth ministry say role and finally get the attention from kids 15 years younger than them and they're like this is what God's designed me to do. No, no, no. That just scratches an itch that you had, not a calling that God has on your life. And so, uh, when I talk about faithfulness, I'm talking about it within a a genuine call to ministry um, that we all have to evaluate. What what is God calling us to? Um, I think oftentimes we forget that God calls you to ministry in the secular world. God calls you to ministry in the uh, in the in the public education world, God calls you to ministry in uh, owning and uh, having the best cleaning business in town. That that you're able to go into homes that pastors never would. Brett's cleaning service, right? Did I say that right? Yes. And I'm I'm so convinced that the call to ministry is not an exclusive call to the pastorate. I think that's I. Uh, I think that's an easy one to give a response to. I think the hard one is, and I think this is post pandemic, the really hard one, because we know that like 30% of churches just crashed and burned Mm -hmm. in spite of faithfulness, in spite of people who had right intentions. I think gravity is at play. We're called to it. And mm-hmm. so th- those are the ones that I look at. And, and so in some ways I'm like creating a scenario, but we do have statistics. Like it's 30% cr- people never came back and, and churches just mm-hmm. 
are still trying to recover. Yeah. Right. Still in recovery mode. And it's reasonable to expect that a good percentage of those were good people. Yes. Love the Lord. Yep. Heard directly and were faithful Mm -hmm. and were not seeking the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're left there going like, God, what happened? Is the a version of the bad things happening to good people. Like gravity happens whether you're good or bad. And I think that applies to the church. Like there's there's a lot going on with, there's so many variables that you're talking about. And some of it is just in this, in a particular community, the pandemic threw a wrench into the system and it just threw everything out of whack. And if you reacted a certain way, it might work. Like some churches, like... Yes. That's not the first time it happened. It happened maybe a lot more. But it's a universal in life. Like It's been it's been there since the beginning, right? God, well, I was the, faithful in what happened. It didn't work out. Yeah. It's the story of Job. Yeah. It's the story of Christians today who... Uh, are, are doing all of the right things, and yet in this hopeless state of, God, I've been faithful, but my life is in shambles. Yeah. How do we reconcile that? Um, it, it, you look at local churches that closed that were doing faithful gospel, great yeah. work. Um, yeah, there, there, there are things and and times where God blesses things that we just can't explain, and that things that we can logically explain uh, they flame out. Uh, look at the look at the call of Jonah. Uh, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and he went the opposite direction, wanted nothing to do with being faithful to God. And what did God do? He changed Nineveh because God worked in the hearts of people. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, our call is to just be faithful to what God has for us and, and what God has called us to, not to be the ones that orchestrate the life change and that orchestrate the repentance and that orchestrate the growth of a church. We've seen phenomenal people, families walk away from our church that I'm like, what happened? Just disappear and never come back. And like every once in a while, I'll see someone, but they're, they're gone. I'm like, did they check out of just being a Christian or did they lose community? Like what happened? Did so many people move away that it just, it destroyed the community. And cause a lot of people have just, you know, left, you know, picked up shop sure. and, and gone. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think part of, you know, going through the last four or five years, like that has been a, it's, it's been an exponential destructor of communities and that's affected church because churches, I mean, you know, when I sit around our church, I'm like, where are all the people? I mean, thank God I'm looking this past Sunday. I'm like, wow, like these services were actually pretty full compared to like, I'm hoping for momentum, but ultimately it's, it, it comes down to community. I even think of what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach and I, it was, it was like nine years ago that Zach put a blue ball recording device in you know, at somebody's house and we sat around and just started talking about Jesus and relationships and brotherhood and being, and being fathers and friends. And, and we're still, and we're still sitting here so many years later and we've talked to so many people. I'm like, this is a ministry in itself. I'm like, 
we're a mission outreach. We've had people. Don't you put that on me? <laughs> we've had people say, "You saved my Still life." You, figured it out. Like you saved my life. You know, if you know, you talked about with you had somebody on talking about depression. Yeah. And I was about to, you know, commit suicide. And they're like, "You saved my life." I'm like, I'm like, just being in community, just being heard, giving hope. Like, I mean. That's all Brandon's doing. That's all we're doing. That's all Nate's doing. I mean, living it out. And I mean, I'm not slam dunking this for Jesus, but I mean, Jesus is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. And it's really, I mean, honestly, I was in a rut for many years. And, uh, you know, that's shifted. But I think it's because Brandon's, you know, now at the church. I'm just like on fire. All right. Enough buttering up. Hey. There's good news and bad news. There's some truth to that. There's good news and bad news. Um, God doesn't need this podcast. However, God works. Are you in the world, sure? God doesn't need Mount. Doesn't Church. need it. But you, you said he died for it. Well, yeah, he did. He died for everything. Technically, he's. I think he's shaping us to well create conversation forget, and forget community this here. Podcast. I think sometimes, like, oh God, God bless listeners. Don't forget so, this podcast. I, <laughs> please please don't forget this yeah, podcast go listen. ahead and boop that like button and boop oh the gosh. subscribe oh my boop God. it All and right. bloop the subscribe <laughs> boop and floop no one else says that I think some of the language so uh, confession I some of the Christianese like throws me a little bit or I, I just mm-hmm. don't speak that way so like God blessing this and God not blessing that I think whatever God's kingdom is the, the analogy of the mustard seed um, it's compelling because it's like, if the kingdom is expanding, it's going to expand. It, it might not, there's, there's gravity at work. There's like real world forces at play. If people are abusive and the church shuts, shuts it's down. It's messy. Yeah, it's it, messy. It, it's messy. And so G- God doesn't need Mountain View. He doesn't need Saddleback Church. Certainly those things can be used and are used. Mm-hmm. Why'd you say that? Can be. No. Well, God even used, Zach, to to take that illustration even further, God used... the biggest church in the area. God used one of the most vicious rulers in human history through Pharaoh to accomplish his plans for his people in that time in history. And so, God uses those even beyond the walls of churches and ministry. Oh, man. I so want to ask the next can of worms question that we could spend 20 minutes on, but I but feel like you I feel like you want to land the plane. No, don't land that well, plane. I do have a couple of, as we're closing, a couple of cans of worms that we are just going to keep as like quickies. Brandon and can't come back for that. Maybe, Brandon maybe, cannot come back maybe. for seven months. So <laughs> it's part of the bylaws. There has to be 28 weeks in between when one... I hope you didn't feel like you were getting grilled, even though you got the lightning lightning question round. I love this. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, so... What happened to men? We are landing the plane. No! No! However, in that light, let's just keep it brief. Um, The first one is... Sorry. You don't even know how to podcast. a professional podcast. Unplug his mic, Nate. Yeah. Kill it. I just unplugged that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> most and least favorite thing about being a pastor. Uh, most favorite thing is life change. Uh, seeing, uh, seeing lights turn on for people. Seeing marriages healed. Seeing teenagers uh, radically changed by Jesus. Uh, life change is my favorite thing. Okay. 
And since becoming a pastor, what theological view has been... So you've been a pastor 20 years? Almost, yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of time. Hopefully there's been some growth, some change. Uh, what theological view has been that you started with has been reinforced and what view has changed or been challenged, hopefully changed, but. Yeah. Um, reinforced uh, has certainly been the fact that God's plans are never thwarted. Um, that God, what God promises, he's faithful. I've seen it time and time again in circumstances, in seasons, in marriages, uh, something that's shaped in me, gosh, in the last 10 to 15 years is um, this idea that um, our emotional life matters as much as our spiritual life. Mm. And so often uh, in the past, there's just been this idea that as Christians, we focus on our spiritual life and we've got to keep our emotional life in check. You know, the anger, the sadness, the uh, the fears, um, those anxieties. And that's led to what I just see as such an abuse in ministry that, that, that weaponizes scripture to say that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't struggle with anxiety. Um, you shouldn't doubt, you shouldn't worry. Um, if you're a follower of Christ, depression shouldn't be a part of your story, but gosh, there's uh, talking about faithfulness, even in my own life, there's just been moments of, deep, dark depression. Um, there have been seasons of anxiety where as I've unpacked that with trusted friends, with soul care coach, with therapist, I've been able to process through that, yeah, my emotional life matters. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's as important as, as my spiritual life. And so I can't discount or just push to the side what's happening in my life emotionally. Um, God cares about that. God speaks into that and God can breathe life and hope into that. So I kind of have a question related to that. Do you think that the devil is actively working to just destroy people? Oh, absolutely. I do. Like in marriage and friendships and how we act. And absolutely. Just, oh, you're going to go and try and start a business? I'm going to find a way to destroy that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the enemy is at work. I mean, Peter says it in his uh, in his letters in the New Testament that we have an enemy who's actively trying to destroy so, us. Jesus himself said it in John 10, 10. Uh, the thief, our enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see him stealing joy and killing marriages. And I, I absolutely think that the enemy is at work. So just as like spiritual warfare type. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we? Can I tie that then to your earlier comment, which was that God's plans can't be thwarted? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like they are. Yeah. And so, how do you reconcile tragedy in the world with God's plans can't be thwarted? Yeah, I think I, I think when we when we see tragedy, when we see pain, when we see suffering. Um, we're quick to wonder, where is God in that? And if we would have done it, we would have done it differently. And if God was really loving, then why would he allow children in remote areas of the world to suffer with hunger and 
um, no sure. clean water. Why would why would a good God allow women and children to be trafficked for the sex industry that destroys lives and relationships? Yeah, that doesn't seem like part of his plan. Um, and yet, um, I, I look at at God's promise and His faithfulness in the the story of history, where uh, what what people meant for evil, God meant for good. And one one of the clearest and best examples that I can give of uh, the the worst, most tragic, inhumane uh, event in human history at the cross, where Jesus as innocent was crucified, uh, God used for our redemption and good. And only God can take what's the worst possible situation and circumstance. And in his great and good plan, and as much as it sounds like Christianese, it's the story of the gospel. It's the story of redemption that only God can take what's horrendous, even the suffering in our own life and the suffering in our own world and our culture and our day to day and in this world that is absolutely atrocious and heartbreaking. And God can bring redemption, maybe not in the circumstances of our mm. day, but in the eternal uh, when we recognize, when we're face to face with Him, that this world is not all there is. So what I hear you saying is, when you say God's plans can't be thwarted, it is the the end point yeah. of what God is aiming towards, which is the redemption of all things. That's correct. That part cannot be thwarted. Right. It doesn't mean that the. Uh, the sin and tragedy that happens in the world today, which clearly is not God's intention, is in conflict with the end point. It's like, yes, both of these things can exist at the same time. Did yeah. we, did we, no, things, things did we lose something? Sorry. I'm good. talking and, and Nate There's has... In motion. We <laughs> lost Nate's mic. <laughs> and Nate doesn't have the camera on me. Great job, we Nate. Need Still doesn't have the camera on me. Gosh, Nate, you know what? There it is. I've, I've loved having you on the podcast. It's been a great time. Nate, really, thank you, Nate, for your service. Really God appreciate bless you. it. Nasty Nate, do you not know Andy is searching for the glory? Just, he needs himself so you know, in the picture. That's true. Go back to me. I'm still talking. There Let's we get go. Him. Get him. There you go. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. Any chance you and can I'm crop done. that down, just get Zach out of there? No. It, <laughs> yeah, God's <laughs> ultimate plan cannot be thwarted. Um, that's I, I can buy that part, yeah. but uh, but I think a lot of people would struggle with. Wait, are you trying to justify the tragedy mm-hmm. that happens that that somehow is within God's plan? Yeah, I, there are some tragedies that I just don't think can be justified. Yeah, that's the, that's the wild part of like if you're a Calvinist and you think God has ordained everything, like every single good thing and bad thing. And all, some of them would nuance it differently, but that's like, that's like the safe, logical, like in that universe, it's logical. Well, God has an ultimate plan for it and you can trust it because God is God. It's when you believe that there's some sort of version of free will and also God has a plan. That's where you're going to end up with unanswerable questions like, like the stillborn or Mm -hmm. why did my kid die? And, and like all the, all those things, like. There's just the, the, a, a quote. It falls apart really quickly. It falls apart, yeah. and I don't know if it needs to be put together necessarily. I think it there just needs to be a version of sitting Shiva where you're just like, 
this is really shitty and we're here with you, like the community coming sure. around. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you need the answer of like, oh God, this happened because X, it's ultimately going to fall short. Um, so yeah, the mess. And what that reminded me of is in this weekend that we had with the students up on the mountain snowboarding, uh, Jody shared, Jody's from, uh, he's the one of the overseers at our church and he, and he got to be the speaker as well. And one of the things that he shared was one of the, one of the most important ways that we experience God's character is in community. Yeah. And, and in my mind, it was like a variation of the way that we love others is how we love God. Yeah. And, and I do think that's true. And like the setting Shiva is a version of that in the tragedy. What does the community look like? As you described, Jeff, the church exists for us as community to be uh, a group of believers who are interconnected and lifting each other and and the others around us up as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, I think that's just a great, it's a great reminder, at least for me. It's a good of, picture. Yeah, of, of what uh, the character of God is and, and what our interaction looks like with him on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Yeah. Oh, the quote I was thinking of, it came back. Not everything happens for a reason, but everything happens. Like in life, mm-hmm. everything will happen at some point. And uh, how do you navigate that? And I think based on our, uh, on our, just our faith and path, so how do we respond to all of what happens? Like, do we respond in a, a Christ-like way or do we respond in a way that's going to just destroy everything in front of us? And I, think you know that and i i think that's a huge thing so many people are like why did this happen why did this happen it's like how are you responding and i've brought this up before you know you mentioned your child dying at, at, like so early and it's like i i like how are you and your wife together like that would have des- that has destroyed families most of them yes like statistically and, I, and i'm most. like i'm like there's some like bond that people are watching and when they hear the story, they're like, I've got this because of Zach and Lisa. I've got this. And like that creates hope and uh, community and just a belief in like, okay, the Holy Spirit is alive yeah. and well. And it's in those two. And thanks, Jeff. <laughs> in, spite of, in spite of myself, I agree. Mm. Just quit showing your kids the Halloween movies. <laughs> At six years old. Yeah, dude. This is an issue. Zach. I admit that was a little much, but <laughs> so I waited until 14 for The Shining. Start with The Departed and go from there. <laughs> All right. We are for sure landing this. Two very quick ones, and all of us can answer if you have a quick answer. Uh, if you could only... Or uh, what? What book of the Bible would you remove if you could? Oh, I like that. Just one. pick one. Nobody's gonna hold you to it. Just pick what's the first book of the Bible. Like I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Numbers. Okay. No, we got an answer. Numbers. That's what I was gonna say Why? too. I uh, stop. He teaches Good enough. Good he, enough reason. He teaches math. He sees numbers all day. <laughs> you had one. You're, well, you're I was my my initial one was just numbers. Yeah, he's gonna take Luke out. He's like whichever Luke. whichever book is like mostly genealogy. 
and then there's just like a yeah touch of something yeah, else. Leviticus. Get rid of Leviticus. First, te- uh, first hesitations. <laughs> I would for, remove that. <laughs> second con- baloney, please. The second baloney is out. Um, Martin Luther wanted, didn't want Revelation in. Um, or James. Yeah, or James, yeah. He was voraciously opposed to those ones. So I'm, I'm pretty sure his answer was, do you have anything? And it could be, it doesn't have to be totally serious. Nobody's going to hold you Oh my to God, it. why are you doing this I'm for him? I'm caveating on his I behalf. Can, help I him. I can live without song Let him be song harsh. Songs. Let I can live without that one. chop at the, the, the Bible with like baloney. <laughs> All right, what are you cutting out? One book. Don't worry, it's not uh, heretical or anything. It's just, you know, for fun. Gospel of yeah, Thomas. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me just because in different seasons of my own life, in different seasons of ministry, I've I've just seen different parts of Scripture speak into that part of my own life. Um, probably Job, because I wish life didn't include suffering and loss and pain and grief. But it does. Yeah. Good answer. I like that, that one. That I like that answer. answer. Thank you for answering. Uh, for, for a second, we were like, oh, do I let him off the hook? He's kind of waffling. Like, but Job is like, Job is what? That one's a grind. That yeah. book is a grind. Yeah. Never ending. Dude. Unrelenting. And suffering. And there's no ultimate answer. It's like, well, who are you? God is God. Kind yeah. of a thing. Like, no. I should say no satisfying answer yeah. is given. Yeah. But but what's interesting about the book of Job at the very end, after Job and God have gone back and forth and God defines the reality of who he is and what God does, um, Job says, family. I have seen with my own eyes that Lord, the Lord is faithful. Amen. Not just heard about it, not just talked about it, not just had this... Christianese that we grab onto when things spiral, but like, no, I've seen God even in, in this horrible season of my life. Yeah. So uh, can I change my answer? I'd like to get rid of that one too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you can only take one book of the Bible on a desert Island, what would it be? One book of the Bible. Don't think too hard. What comes up? Genesis. Why? <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that. Uh, but really. But seriously. Genesis? So much genealogy. Well, really you can start up. you can stop talking about what I chose and you choose. Oh, okay. You choose? All right, lightning round. I might choose Song of Solomon. You you, you wanted to re- oh, remove it? Are you bringing you, a woman with why? you? Why? No, can I, can I, I, I take it out and give it to you? A little bit I'll, I'll you know, a it's little just bit you of, on a on an island, just you. That's the why. A little Jewish erotica. I mean, you know. What are you I mean, doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, what is it not? Okay, <laughs> lightning round. Don't answer that question. Yeah, all right. Don't answer. Don't answer. Um, uh, I would take Mark. I'd probably take Ecclesiastes. Uh, that's great, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Why, Mark? Uh, I took a class on Mark and, okay. in college, and it still resonates with me. So Mark is the man's gospel because he just gets right to the point. He doesn't. He doesn't mince words. Don't affirm fast. Andy. Stop affirming no, that's Andy. That's where the men are. They're in Mark. There yeah. you go. You wanted to know, Jeff? Yeah, full that's circle. Yeah. What, what, full what, circle. What lady book do you want? Uh, I like Jeff? to read uh, Ruth. Uh, forget it. 
That's what I'm preaching through right now, Jeff. You should be stoked. I am so offended. I would take the Gospel of John. Okay. By the way, they're drinking and everything in that book. Wait, no, I take that back. Sorry. That's you. You were the one who was drinking. (laughs) With lots of ice. (laughs) What island are you on, Jeff? Oh, my gosh. All right. So, temptation. The final question is, you are walking through the gates of the New Jerusalem. Right through there. The right pearly there. gates. The open gates of the New Jerusalem. You kick Peter the rock. <laughs> you stub your toe on Peter the actual rock. <laughs> What's your walk in music and any person living or dead, who is your hype person or somebody that's escorting you into the gates of the New Jerusalem? Oh, two. Gosh, two great questions. They're going to say um, Tupac. Tupac, nice, <laughs> solid, and it's a Tupac song. Yeah, California Love and Tupac, double whammy. Best answer on all all episodes. <laughs> Great job. Anyway, so, no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, who's escorting me in? Peyton Manning, uh, the greatest football player of all time. Wow, I the horse. The answer. Yeah, Peyton, this is my Peyton Manning impression. <laughs> yeah, Peyton. <laughs> Uh, is is taking me to glory. I love that guy. Um, I was close to glory when Peyton escorted Dolly Parton into Neyland Stadium this oh. season, and together they all sang Rocky Top. That is wild. Yeah. Um, song as I'm going into glory. Um, gosh, that's that's hard. We're we're big classic rock fans. That's uh, okay. Um, I, I could go Ario Speedwagon from the eighties. I, I I probably would go Def Leppard, pour some sugar on me. Wow. Oh, yeah! With the video playing on the oh big screen. <laughs> no way. Didn't see that one coming. What did you see coming? Thunderstruck. Okay. So if you were to answer this question that was your for least me, safe Andrew, answer. what is, what's that theme song from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I am a man. Sorrow. Where are the men? Yeah, well, that's where they were. Well, they're all on Instagram. Just, I don't know what they're doing. Scrolling for days. TikTok. TikToking. We're on Instagram. They're TikToking. Speaking of which, Instagram.com slash Bros Beer. <laughs> Let's land this thing. All right. We didn't do any consuming, though. We can do some consuming. Okay. We're good. We can mm-hmm. do some consuming. It's all right. Okay. All right, I'll start because mine's short. I'd watched all of Yellowstone and the first season of True Detective with my wife. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, been drinking a lot of whiskey. No, you've been drinking a lot of ice. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking for it. Uh, Zach, what have you been consuming? I got to look up the book name. Oh, Go my Go God. You can't Come even on. remember the stuff you read? I read so much. I'm a hero. I know. I'm a legend. You I listen so to much. You, I can't keep track of it. You're listening to what you read. Go ahead. One of y'all's. <laughs> Brandon. Yeah. I've uh, been really consuming a book by John Mark Comer called Practicing the Way. Um, unpacking this idea of a theology of discipleship that looks like apprenticeship. That as Jesus called us to follow him, what that looks like is to apprentice Christ. And so, uh, this this whole idea of our life as followers of Christ practicing the way. Uh, early on in Christianity, early followers of Jesus weren't called Christians. They were called people of the way mm. because there was a way about how they lived, the way that they treated others, the way that they 
lived in relationship and marriage, the way that they operated was so different from the way everyone else did. And so, as followers of Jesus, the invitation to apprenticeship looks like practicing the way of Jesus. Mandalorian. This is the way. Okay, good no. talk, Jeff. Thanks. You know, <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. They have, like, we stick to this code. Like, we don't take this helmet off. We live a certain way. I think there's something to how that was written and what you're talking to. I think there's a parallel to, like, people who do things a certain way. It's like, we will live this out. We will sacrifice for you. We'll take care of you mm-hmm. if, if we, ha- we have honor in what we do. I think uh, that's what you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it sounds like Mandalorian too. <laughs> uh, TV show that I've been consuming, yeah. it's one that I've watched multiple times. It is, I think, uh, some of the greatest storytelling, some of the greatest art through cinematography is the uh, docudrama Chernobyl. Oh, wow. That's a meltdown. I thought you were going to say something, Earth Raymond. I thought he was going to say Veronica Mars. King of Queens. Everyone loves Again, Raymond. Everyone Def Leppard, Chernobyl, <laughs> Practicing the Way. Chernobyl Every, is fantastic. Everybody. Available on HBO Max. So, so is Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Did you no. go? No, I didn't go. You, you, did you look up the thing? I did. I've been listening to a book on Audible, Wanting the Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. I, I love... I love being an amateur bro psychologist, which I think is redundant, but uh, bro psychology. Uh, the A groundbreaking exploration of why we want what we want. Wanting provides a toolkit for freeing ourselves from chasing unfulfilled desires. It is like at its basic level is when you, if you have two kids, whether you have kids or not, this applies. You can understand this. A kid doesn't care about a toy in the, until the other kid wants the toy. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the kid mm. wants the toy. Mm. So how, why you want what you want, advertising-wise, any product, you, what you want, or why... I have the muscle. I have like the anti, anti-mimesis where it's like, oh, people are doing that. I want the opposite, which can be a superpower and it can be deadly in the wrong circumstance. So just understanding people kind of a thing That's what I'm going for. And I started watching, uh, what's the chef one? Oh, The Bear. The Bear. Lisa and I started watching that, The Bear. That is really fun. It's good, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. The Bear. Running it's- a restaurant, being an expert chef, and you're th- kind of thrust into taking over your dead brother's... Dead brother's failing... Failing sort of a... Chicago deli. A deli, Sort yeah. of. Yeah. And it's intense. It's very yeah. intense. I get similar feelings from the Adam Sandler movie. What was the um, the Water Boy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no the uh, the ga- the Spanglish? the gambling one. Oh, Uncut oh, Gems. Yep. Billy Madison. Mm. Uncut Gems was excellent, but so stressful. <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. How's the prosciutto? How's the prosciutto on the that? Happiest on that of show. Gilmore's. All right, Andy. Uh, I've been consuming the Mountain and uh, students. I've been consuming mm, students. That's gross. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, Cannibalism 101. And you haven't Andy. been consuming haircuts. No, I've not been consuming haircuts. I'm going strong. This is two months. Two months of growth. And no end in sight? You're just going to keep I'm going? I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to see how long this can go. And I, just for clarity's sake, Andy was just a leader on a youth yeah. trip. And so when he said consuming the mountain, he literally meant skiing. 
I set a personal record for myself of 45.5 miles an hour going down the mountain, which my... It's your age. 15. Yeah, it is my age. That's So, so every year you yeah. have to hit I gotta, 46. 46 is coming up in March. I just realized I went 51 when we went last month. I Coincidentally, that is my age. Oh. You're 51? You look at least 52. Uh, wait, wait where's, the, where's the exit? But my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter beat me at 49 miles an hour. So that was fun. Nice. But who is her? I know. All right. Anything you want to plug, Brandon? Like website, anything you're working on? Any other things you want to plug that don't have to do with you? Come or to- nothing. That's fine. It's not about him, Zach. But it can be. I mean, he's here. Like, this is your chance. This literally goes out to dozens of people. Yeah. <laughs> not on That's YouTube. That's not true. It does not go on YouTube. It goes to tens of thousands. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Um, nothing really to plug. You can follow me on Instagram at Brandon Reed. I rarely post maybe three times a year. But when you do. It's epic. Oh. Yeah. Um, I was just at the uh, Los Angeles International Pin Show. Yes. You guys forgot to circle back to my fountain oh, pen. Thank no. you for bringing us back. You're a better podcaster no. than we. All right. Well, we forgot. Here. It's okay. We're here now. Yeah. Jeff, it's okay. This is just in the director's cut. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you got to pay for this. Yeah. I, I love, uh, because I work so much with uh, my head and my heart in ministry, I've found something to do with my hands that kind of takes my mind off of other things. And so- uh, fountain pens is it for me? Wait, really? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Andy, that's what I said when I first heard it. Yeah. We. Why didn't we double click on this when we had the question in the lightning round? Well, after seven months, you can come back on and talk about fountain pens. <laughs> after twenty-eight weeks, <laughs> after 28 I will bring weeks. pens. We're here with Brandon Reed and fountain pens. So this is a legit. You're going to a fountain pen convention. This is a total nerd alert, and I don't use that despairingly. Yeah, just uh, no. It's not me going. I'm a vendor with a booth at a fountain <laughs> pen yes. show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, In good. ten words or less, describe the clientele. Um, overalls, pocket protector, multiple pens, some of which are not inked. Not inked. Yeah, I don't know what that means. They've never eat. They they have never been used to write. This is a virgin pen. Is that what you want? It's never no, been used. Not me. Okay. I think pens are made to write with. Right, but do do some people crave? If the I die, seventy. Oh, hundred percent. I, I talked to a guy this weekend. Virgin pens. <laughs> I talked to a guy this weekend who said, um, "I just want to make sure that the pen I'm going to buy is never, never touched ink because all I'm going to do is put it on display." I'm like, man, that, that yeah. you can display so many other great things, right, with pens. Feels like he doesn't know what pens are for. Yeah. I feel like there's a weird sexual metaphor happening, too. It's weird. Maybe. Maybe. In uh, what circumstance... I'm not sure how you guys use pens. In what, <laughs> in what circumstance, uh, Pastor Brandon, did you use a fountain pen that was the most exquisite moment of your life? Uh, I don't know that I could, I could narrow it down to one exquisite moment, rather just the tangible tactile experience of writing with, uh, a great fountain pen writing instrument on a great piece of paper, as opposed to being consumed by a digital screen. And if you were to recommend for us Mm -hmm. one 
starter pin because I feel like we're rookies, boys. We don't know. We don't know the fountain pen world. I'm stuck in Bix. By the way, I'm halfway. I'm. I'm. I actually, I'm halfway serious. What yeah. would you recommend? Yeah, I think a great. Did you have a a, a follow up question? No, 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 no. I think a great. Wondering about the Zach paper. doesn't have anything. Yeah, a great place to start um, is with a, a Japanese brand uh, Pilot, which you've probably seen the Pilot yeah, G2s. Pilots. They make a G2. They make a fountain pen called the Pilot Metropolitan. That is. Yeah, it's fifteen bucks. All right, and wow. you can get into the fountain pen world. Oh my gosh, fifteen dollars—that's uh, a good, like, it's a, a legit... great starter pen. Okay, as, as funny as it does seem, I you're interested. There is a part of me that knows what you're talking about because I can feel it. Because that pen yes. over there sucks, and yes. I don't like it when I use it. Yes, I know when it sucks. I went over to Brandon at, at service. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going? What have you been up to?" And he's like, "I just got back from a fountain pen conference." I'm like. Wait, really? Feels he, like you just said like, a bunch of words. He's like, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That last comment was for our ASM viewers. ASRM. <laughs> I don't ASMR. even know what that means. ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. ASMR. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and and what is like the the unicorn? For me, I would love to own a 90th anniversary Mont Blanc skeleton. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, uh, right? Does it come um, in a case? Oh, Jeff. Let me get my let me get my ice packed whiskey. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. second mistake you've made tonight, <laughs> mother, father. I've counted many more. Andy. Yeah, we're gonna talk about okay. It. And why is that the unicorn? Well, it's a really rare pin. There's only a handful of them in the whole world. But the way that it was designed and crafted is just so intricate, made out of one piece of dark. Uh, titanium that's just it's just fantastic who was the artist um hitler the artist it was made in germany <laughs> oh my god um, 1943 <laughs> that's why it's so rare Nate, is there an outro music to yeah. play <laughs> um just, brandon needs to pull the ripcord by the way we never pull the ripcord ignore continue <laughs> Yeah, it's Finish just a beautifully thought. crafted. Uh, it's a beautifully crafted piece that um, I've never seen in person. That I would Mythical. just love, uh, love to own someday. I love that. I love that. I've. I, I just know every time you see a movie where they're they're actually dipping the pen, it's just it is the purest of thing. And they also have but good is that is that a fountain pen? Is a dipping one? It doesn't have to dip. Like the a lot of the pins that I use are, uh, you, you fill up a, a converter cartridge, you fill up the the mechanism within the pin, and then you can write with it for a long time. You don't have to okay. keep going back and forth. This has been in. your five minutes of hot uh, pen talk. <laughs> and so just so hot. you know, we Bruce are, Bibles, beer, and pens. Yeah, pens. Right. Uh, new hats, new merch. We'll yeah. keep workshopping that name. Yeah. It's getting just closer though. It. Yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania was named after it. It was not, Jeff. <laughs> well, William Penn used a pen, so, you know, maybe. He probably did. Putting the yeah. pen in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania. All right. Well, we've run out of time. Turns out. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate everyone watching slash listening. And again, uh, you can check us out on YouTube and all your podcast platforms. Rate and view. Subscribe. Like all of that stuff. We love it. Abra's Bible's beer on all those things. Send me bags of ice if you would. If you're going to send anything to the podcast. We are continuing to get wild as the YouTube grows, the comments get wilder and it's pretty fun. We didn't spend any time on it, but 
There are a few oh, nice. worth mentioning that maybe we'll get to next time. Guess they're not worth mentioning. Not this time. <laughs> maybe next time when we have no guest. But uh, I thought Tom Brady's fur was on next. At Bros Bells Beer. All the socials. On all the socials. You can still leave us a voicemail if you wanted to at anchor.fm slash bbb God dang it. Anchor.fm slash bbb pod. There's a little button you can press. And and it only lets you leave a one-minute message, but we'll play it on the air, and we won't screen it. I promise. No matter what you say, we'll play no, it. No matter, it what, matter what, you what you say. No, it doesn't matter. And if Nate is here next time, he'll it'll be his third time, so he will get a microphone and will be allowed to speak. If he's a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. Hey, right. Grace. Peace. Cheers. Ha, 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 ha.